The next station is Qingzhou. Expectations were that there wouldn't be any running water, um, electricity, Wi-Fi. I was expecting smaller roads and a lot less infrastructure. So you see a lot of old people, very few young people. I come here completely with a clean slate. Hmm. Their expectations may have been accurate just a few years ago. Hello, I'm Michael. I'm from Malaysia. I've traveled all over Southeast Asia and this is the first time I'm in China. I'm really excited. I'm Becca and I like dancing and dogs. Okay, I'm Sean and her father. We're from South Africa and I'm, I'm really enjoying China. I love China. <laughs> Ni hao, I'm Albert from Zimbabwe and I am a Chinese politics, foreign policy and international relations scholar at Tsinghua University. I'm Yao and I'm your host. For this episode, we have traveled all the way to the county of Jinghai, about 1,000 kilometers south of Beijing, to find out how China is ending rural poverty. So guys, you've all spent a few days here, and this county was removed from the country's poverty list about eight months ago. What were you expecting to see, and what has surprised you the most? Um, Becca? My expectations were that there wouldn't be running water, um, Wi-Fi. Here, I was uh, surprised at all the, the TV. It's like the old and the new together. The amount of infrastructure that is available, that's, that is what really shocked me. I was expecting smaller roads, and a lot less infrastructure than, than what there is here. Like when I asked, do you have Wi-Fi here? And they gave me the password straight away. So you live in Hefei. How did you get to this village in the mountains? Uh, we came by a car. For how long? Uh, three hours. How was the trip? It was very comfortable. You, know, you hear, oh, we're going to the village in the mountains. And then you expect yeah. the roads to be rough. You don't expect them to be as smooth and as comfortable. I'm, I've been enjoying the scenery and the roads. What were you expecting to see earlier? I was expecting to see a lot of old people, very few young people. Um, I was expecting to see less technology, the infrastructure to be there, but not really, you know, it's more oriented towards getting business in rather than getting business out. And I was surprised at how someone's health insurance really was a big game changer in terms of determining their ability to participate in the economy. So I've been to all 10 Southeast Asian countries. Um, working in tandem with the local NGOs. So I've been in many, many, if not most of your uh, smaller villages and hamlets. So that I come here completely with a clean slate. Similarities between a village in China and the villages in Southeast Asia is remarkable. The openness, the friendliness, the charm traveling from one location to the other is simply amazing. That smile that was so genuine, I have to say that it was Magical. Um, have you guys made new friends here? I love to hear their stories. Like we uh, met a former farmer who now sells his goods online thanks to the government subsidization. And he really has a massive online presence. I think he had like maybe 50 million views for one of his videos. I was uh, in one of his videos and I'm pretty sure I reduced his following. Um, Becca? Well, I've met a little girl from where I'm staying. Her name is Hempan. She's the child of your host family, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. What did you guys do? Well, 
when I, when we the first morning while I was here, we went and we walked by the river. We um, made little rock monuments. Oh wow! Yeah, threw rocks into the water. We didn't really talk much because of um, her English wasn't very good and my Chinese is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so we just communicated with smiles and gestures. WeChat, no translation. Yeah, and lots of love. <laughs> no, but I spoke a lot to the host family. You know, I was finding out a lot about how much the government has helped her, but also how much she's actually put into. And she says a lot of it she borrowed from other people in the community. Again, that built up the whole community feeling out here in the village that they're helping each other. She said she was one of the poorest, you know, families in this whole community, and now she's she's doing quite well. I had a very similar experience with the <coughs> store that was operating as the distribution center for incoming parcels. Uh, again, he borrowed a, a sum of money from his friends and relatives. I was just about to ask Michael because uh, you have the chances to meet the bees, the sheep, the pigs. <laughs> the birds. So I was going to ask, like, did you make yeah. new human friends? <laughs> so that would be the delivery, the, the delivery guy. Um, then you have people like the beekeeper who moved out of the city back to this community, literally living in the hills, uh, operating a bee farm um, and a goat and sheep farm. So when you start hearing things like that, then, then you really open your eyes. D didn't we meet someone who was working here in the village and was sending money to her father yes, in Shanghai? Yeah. I mean, this is like... Yeah. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Which so, one? Lady at the at this one store here, her father's in Shanghai now as well. So you all joined the New Year celebrations with the villagers, right? How was that experience? And Becca has to take this one first. Yeah. <laughs> it was really awesome. I had so much fun dancing with the locals and eating their, their food. It was really fun. Mm. And I really liked the, the fireworks. How about dancing with local villagers? Oh, that, was the, that was the best part. <laughs> fun we got to really engage with the community um, and when they found out I don't eat meat they gave me so much food that was just cooked uh, vegetables and I barely ate dinner because of it so it was it was a lot of fun a lot of eating a lot of dance right now he's died. <laughs> so does anyone know where China's poverty line stands anyone yes <laughs> go ahead it is one dollar thirty um, which is different from the World Bank standard, which is 190. So I've read that China's poverty line stands at 2,300 yuan per person per year at 2010 prices, but this is not a fixed number. So it's adjusted every year to reflect the inflationary pressure. Also, uh, purchasing power parity, or PPP, which compares different countries' currencies through a basket of goods, uh, must be taken into consideration. Plus, um, China and the World Bank actually set their standards uh, using prices in different years, um, 2010 and 2011 respectively. So according to 2011 PPP, China's poverty line is roughly $2.3 per person per day. And as you said, the World Bank standard is $1.90 per person per day. So long story short, China's poverty line is actually higher than that of the World Bank. Would you? So I think it is true when you do do the numbers and you actually see that China might actually be setting a higher bar for what is poverty. In every country in the world there's this massive debate over the definition of poverty and the poverty line. I think the, 
It matters what it means to the people. But we all understand poverty elimination is not about numbers. It's about improving people's lives. And as Sean mentioned earlier, it's about offering opportunities. That's why China counts the income only as one factor of getting rid of poverty. And there are also clean water and food, uh, housing, clothing, healthcare, and education. So does this definition make sense to all of you? It covers your basic needs. It's not also something want needs, they, they are wants. Like, like Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is not exactly a need, but it can help you a lot. And that's why I think the government is very good at rolling that out because that can help you to, you know, to, to fulfill your wants, TV, internet, online shopping. <laughs> but, but it's not just Wi-Fi, it's internet connectivity. That, that's pretty much how this village is able to market its products outside. That, that's actually one thing one of my students po pointed out in this past week. Um, we were talking about COVID and how that's affected the economy. And the same thing is while the rest of the world all suffered, China's sales have actually been better this year than previously. And that's all due to e-commerce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from what you have seen here in Jingzhai, do you believe this county is out of poverty? I would say so, yeah. They are happy they have all their needs and wants. They've got a good, the, the people here have a good income and they're, they're really happy here. Mm -hmm. Albert? I think the best example, we had a whole conversation about this in the, in the van, was one of the students we met, one of the children, uh, we were asking different questions about what they, they want out of life and what they see in the future, where they want to study. But then there was one child who raised his hand and he's like, oh, I also want to study abroad. It's about options. And the fact that a child who five years ago wouldn't even think about going to the capital city is now actually considering going and being a part of the international community, that's a... That says a lot. So I agree, there's like, there's a massive jump out of something. You know, well, the people that I've spoken to, they've all said their life has improved a lot. And now they, they, they want to achieve more. So when you mention infrastructure, it's always about roads and water and sanitation and everything else. But people always forget to mention internet, sorry, the internet infrastructure. That forms the basis for a whole lot of things. I'm going to quickly compare it to the internet penetration in, in um, ASEAN countries where it is relatively low, some, some as low as 40% only nationwide. Um, so if you take that compared to something that's close to 100 here, it, it changes your perspective, it opens up your markets. Yes. Yeah. We have talked a lot about the next question, but I'm going to ask. And so if taking this county as an example, what have you guys found in China's poverty elevation toolbox? Um, to me, is the drive of the government. That's very important for the government to be very involved in poverty alleviation. If your government has political will uh, to engage your people to make getting people out of poverty a priority, it's a massive difference. The second is to be a part of the people. Make sure you are going there, asking them, you know, what's happening. Sitting down with them, having these conversations, it immediately changes the dynamic. And then there's medical infrastructure. Government has put in a decent amount of work. Yeah, I, I'm going to add on that. The, if you take an American person with a daily income of $1, and now we have COVID, the cost to put a person through two weeks of COVID uh, treatment in America is $34,000. If you don't have insurance, if you don't have $34,000, which you will not have if your income is a dollar, you're in serious trouble. Here, it's free. Yeah? So these are not factored in into GDP calculation, but when, when trouble strikes, there is a way out for these people.
I, I think that's massively huge. It's and more it like makes assurance a huge that people know they're being taken care of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are these measures and achievements um, sustainable? Do you think these rural people would ever slip back into hardship? That's, that, that's a difficult question to answer. If I think if government stays involved, then the people will stay involved. Um, then I would put that responsibility into the hands of the people themselves. And, and if you look at the, the um, distribution center guy, the government gave him 10,000 yuan. He borrowed 300,000. Now, yeah, that actually shows you how, how much he wants to get this business going. It's 10,000 uh, seed money as opposed to 300,000 personal loans. I, I don't think he's ready to sit there and say, keep giving me money, keep giving money, because this is obvious. How do you think China is reaching poverty reduction targets set by the UN 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development 10 years ahead of schedule? Sean? Um, again, I, I work with infrastructure, especially like with Wi-Fi. For me, it's all about they were able to, to roll that out in time and, and get that through to them. No, not forgetting that China is the world's largest market. Mm, yeah. It's relatively much easier to circulate the yeah. economy within your borders. Yeah? Yes. Um, also because we mm. recovered rather fast from mm. COVID-19. Mm. So that I, helps too. That, that comes from obedience. <laughs> wear a mask. No, no, don't wear a mask. No, you don't hear that in China. The moment you hear, oh, there's a case, everyone puts on their masks. No questions asked. And I think it, it represents the caring for the other individual as well, rather than just, you know, uh, the, the common complaint in the United States. Also in China, when we have a go and then we just mm. go for it, then at the same time, some critics say that China is more focused on meeting a deadline than on the needs of the people. I wonder if you guys agree on that. No, I think that they are focused on the people and they're doing what they can to help. They're just more focused on the people, but it just seems that they're focused on the goal. They really want to help them, they care for others. Uh, they had a goal, everyone has goals. You know, we've all got to do it. So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of unfair to say, oh, they were just meeting a deadline. What do the people need? That's the biggest thing about, for example, I was in Chongqing when I was doing research on poverty alleviation. Here, they actually didn't have too much of a agricultural backbone to lean on. And because they have an older population, so it took so much more planning. It literally took conversations with older people and saying, how can we make it possible for you to earn income in a resource uh, scarce sort of community with a very older population? Um, Albert mentioned old people, which reminds me of our trip together to the beekeeper mm. when he tries to take care of the older people in the mm. villa. So, Michael, would you like to add? Sure. The, I, first, I'm so happy I was not stung. <laughs> <laughs> Beekeeping is excellent for older communities because it does not require intensive labor, which generally suits um, the habits of elderly, the elderly. But bees are also helpful for the uh, so bees are also good for the environment. I was told that it was pretty much on par with the manuka honey. I think he also won two awards for for his honey or something, and and that begins to tell you a lot. I mean, this is he did yeah, so. <laughs> I'm going to continue and ask if you could take away anything from China's poverty alleviation efforts for your own country, what would that be? Well, right, I, I would say that they are constant in their helping the, the community. It's constantly reevaluating it all the time. They continue reevaluating. So if something doesn't work, they then change. Mm -hmm. Michael? Basic healthcare and E, infrastructure. Mm. 
meaning the internet. The whole Southeast Asia, they, they, we share the same problem or, or very similar problems. Again, the, the internet penetration is very low. Um, yeah, a, a village that looks like this will not have internet, for example. Mm -hmm. How yeah. about Zimbabwe? But I think one thing that is really essential, I think, making sure you have just as many people sitting down and talking oh. Uh, mm -hmm. to people who are in poverty sure. as you have Biden, people Biden who are calculating right. how to get them out. China makes it a conversation for the entire country. China will say poverty is a problem. One, one thing that's not often discussed is that America has 42 million people living under the poverty line. Well, same thing with healthcare. I mean, like I said, the, the lady at our homestay, the government gave her some money. She put in three times the amount the government did. So again, it's also is the people want to improve. Okay, government can come and help out, but the people have to buy in and realize, okay, this is going to help. One thing people don't discuss is it is exhausting being poor. When you're sitting down with someone in poverty, you have to be serious. You can't come in and make fake promises. But I really like how serious China takes it, how you sit down with people who have lost relatives, who have lost livelihoods, and you say to them, I'm hearing what you're saying. You calculate the numbers and you say, this is what we're thinking we're going to do. And then you do it. Such a remarkably efficient plan takes into account the exhaustion of poverty. It's really about like keeping your promises. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then the people will buy in, they will believe it. Yeah. Whereas you've got another country, they're like, oh, I've heard this before. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, here they buy in and that's why they were willing to put their own money into it as well. I think they buy yes. into it because they can see the evidence in front of them. I can see the new road, I can see the Tangible. new you know, water pipes, I can see the new heating. And that makes a world of a difference. It's quite different from, I promise you this if I win. Mm. I promise you that if I win. And then when they win, nothing, nothing turns out. Mm. You know, th yeah. That's a huge difference. Really ending extreme poverty is a milestone in China. But do mm. you guys foresee any challenges after 2020? The first, and I know the Chinese government has particularly emphasized the difficulty of this, and they've actually put a lot of solid plans down. Um, environmentalism, the, the sustainability of uh, creating all of this change, and then considering the environmental impact, that's a big one. Sean, would you like to add anything? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's shifting economies. Everything, especially since COVID, a lot of it is shifting to, to electronic, to, you know, to over the internet. Thank you. Michael, only challenges after 2020? Uh, the internet's already here. Um, I, I firmly believe that if the Chinese traders uh, looked at the global markets and made more informed marketing decisions, they, their success would just blow through the roof. See, I, I, I literally call it the sky's the limit because there's, you know, <laughs> yeah, nothing is going to hold these guys back once they learn how to market their products properly. Mm -hmm. So before we end our chat, last question, what was your most memorable moment during this trip? Becca. The party. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, they're really happy and they all work together and it was just, I really enjoyed the, the party last night. I, I, I enjoy the village feeling. When you go there and you look at the people at the stores, they're, they're never by their own store. They're all in a group together talking and then they will come and help you. You know, about the whole of China is, is the community feeling. But here you can really feel, you know, the community togetherness. And then people recognize you already yeah. after two days. They all, and, and they remember your names after yeah. one day. You know, they come to you the next day, hello, Sean. I, I, I kid you not, this is my first trip to China. 
And I've always wanted to come to China because of David Copperfield when he walked through the Great Wall of China. <laughs> so what, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do was to be able to perform a magic trick mm. in China. And I got that opportunity at the primary school. <laughs> <laughs> not the massage, I guess. Not no, massage. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it was the pig's favorite movement. <laughs> <laughs> We went and we danced with uh, these ladies who were preparing for the New Year celebration. And then the next day I see uh, her. Yeah, and I was like, of course it's the lady. So I see her standing by her stall. And then she mentions her daughter's name. And I was like, oh, your daughter's really smart. She wants to go to Tsinghua. And um, she wanted to become a teacher. And it's just this nice network of change that you see. And then, of course, I bought half of the store. And now. <laughs> I'm just going to pray I don't go into debt, so that's, it was a great moment, I think, yeah. That was interesting, I was there too. Mm. What got me was, um, so when I was translating, and then she said to me that, unfortunately, I cannot talk to him in English, mm. but my granddaughter can. Yes. Yes. The, the kids in primary school, so I, I all started um, to be able to utter English. I was just shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were answering questions. Yeah, correct. Oh, yeah, he got like a letter from... A number of them. A number? Really? <laughs> wow. Let me see if I Whoa. have them in China. Suave. <laughs> Do you still have it? Hello, nice to meet you. I like it. But it was really funny. She, she came over, if you want to look at it. And yeah. It's the same thing, like there was a boy coming to me and said, can I have your cell phone number so that I can get back in touch with Michael and Albert? Really? Yes. Thank you, Albert, uh, Becca, Sean, and Michael. This village has a lot to celebrate, and let's hope they will continue to work hard and keep on dancing. Bye, oh, Becca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ending poverty starts with ending impoverishment in minds and ideas. President Xi Jinping once said, when she visited Jinjai in 2016, it was one of the poorest counties in the country. Today, it is among the 832 once impoverished counties thriving and working towards a more sustainable future. China has built its own pathways out of poverty, and it owes a profound debt of gratitude to organizations and countries that have helped. As the nation continues to progress, it is also giving back a basket of solutions on this global issue and a message of hope to the rest of the world. Would you consider yourself poor? No. No. No, absolutely not. Poor, yeah. No, I'm not poor. How many people in your country live in poverty? No, I, I don't know. My wife would know. Not exact number, but I know a lot. It's 46% of people. No, just close. How many have been lifted out of poverty in China over the past eight years? Some hundreds of millions. Like uh, 50 million? One million? One million. I don't know. I'll still pass. How is China achieving its poverty alleviation goal on time? I don't know how they do it. The determination. China's political system. They will work hard regardless of whatever situation.